Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. For Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory, fabulous pre owned inventory as well. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Roots 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right, fun show coming up today, including Neil Kulong and the Steelers. Uh, the Eagles have Gardner Minshew. No, not going to move the needle for you? Uh, not moving the old Gardner Minshew needle, are we? But that was an interesting move. I don't really know what it says, but it was an interesting move by the Eagles. Everybody's got a bye week. We'll talk more about that as the week goes on. Of course, Penn State football more as the week goes on, as well as the open at Wisconsin on Saturday at Camp Randall. Noon will be the kickoff. 10.30 will be the airtime for the game. And also, uh, coming up, uh, we'll have the coaches show featuring James Franklin on Thursday night from 6.05 to 7. So an active week coming up here on the station, and more high school football coming up on Friday night. Our high school football roundtable will be on Thursday at 3.35. As the excitement of that season is underway, and Ida will be out of here by the time we get to high school football on Friday night. Again, tomorrow is going to be a swamp. Uh, it's going to be a swamp tomorrow. It's the way it is. So... If anybody sits back and says, you know, I could use some rain. This is more than using a little bit of rain. But wow. It's going to be one of those just all day just keeps raining and raining. At least it'll be out of the way for the Labor Day weekend, which is great. And then, of course, we leave on Friday and go to Madison. And uh, the weather in Madison on Saturday looks pretty good. Looks like uh, kickoff is going to be right around upper 60s, low 70s. Because remember, the kickoff there is 11 a.m. Uh, the football team did practice, as we mentioned yesterday in the show, in the stadium at 11 a.m. on Saturday to replicate the game time. In a preseason, you can do that. During the season, you can't really do that because normally you're playing the week before you go to Iowa or wherever it may be. All right, coming up on the show, we're going to hear from Alyssa Nair, a national women's soccer goalie. Look, she plays in the... Uh, Semifinal, the U.S. is going to win the gold medal. That's how good she is. She got hurt, though. And when she went out, the fortunes for the U.S. changed. We'll talk to her in a few moments. It is great to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us as we continue here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. We bring in one of the best in the world. And Penn State and the U.S.'s own Alyssa Nair. Alyssa, welcome to the show. Welcome back home. Hi, thank you for having me. All right. How's the knee doing? It's doing all right. It's kind of relaxing and, uh, you know, starting starting the road recovery. So, all good. 
I mean, could you tell right away what had happened? Uh, I could tell that I was in pain. Um, you know, then kind of just let the doctors, you know, have a look and, um, you know, kind of take it one step at a time and go from there. And um, But definitely, definitely didn't feel very comfortable. All right. All right, so you say you're going to take it one step at a time. Does one step at a time eventually bring you back to playing for the U.S. women team at this stage of your life and career? I certainly hope so. All right, so let's talk about the journey to get there. You come here to Penn State, and in your journey to get here, what was it about Penn State? And I think it was Paula that brought you here, right? Paula Wilkins? She was, yes, yeah, she was. And then, and then Erica took over. Like I think after what you, were, I don't, I'm trying to remember. I think it was your sophomore year. Erica took over. Yeah, Paula, Paula left right after my freshman year, and Erica came in January of my freshman year. Yeah, yeah. So, in fact, ironically, Paula went to Wisconsin, which is where obviously we'll open the football season. Uh, but when that, when what brought you here? What was it that said, okay, I want, you know, because you're from Connecticut, so what brought you to Penn State? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was when I was going through the recruiting process, I, you know, had a very open mind. I didn't really have any idea um, or, you know, pre-inclinations of, of where I had wanted to go. And I had worked with Paula um, with some of the youth teams in the regional, um, on the regional team with the ODP program. Um, and I knew I liked her as a coach. Um, I liked playing for her and came – decided to come and on my visit to Penn State and as soon as I stepped on campus I I honestly just fell in love with it um and could see myself there for you know the those four years of my life and it just you know it's one of those things that it just it just felt right um and it made the decision easy for me uh, was it easy to pick sp- soccer over basketball because I don't think people realize in high school you were a 2,000 point scorer did you have any offers uh, not not for any of the bigger schools, some small schools, um, local schools, you know, Connecticut, New England area. Um, but I had kind of, once I went into the, you know, youth national team system right. with soccer, um, that kind of took up a significant portion of my time. Um, and, you know, that was giving me a great avenue to be able to get to college and have an education and kind of open the door to a lot of different opportunities for me, which was incredible. What did Penn State do in terms of play? I'm talking about the pure play now. That now set you up to eventually get you to the U.S. national team. Uh, it just taught me how to be, you know, taught me how to be a pro. It taught me how to be, you know, competing constantly at a high level. Um, obviously, the Big Ten is very competitive. Um, you know, Penn State has a history of a very, you know, has a great team. Um, you know, there's been a lot of incredible players to come through the program. Um, and for me, I just was able to continue to hone in and on a lot of, you know, little skills here and there and keep pushing and getting better. Um, you know, great coaches, great teammates. And to just be able to play day in and day out, um, you know, at a high level was just always pushing me to, to have to be better. Um, and I was able to grow into, you know, the player that was able to, to jump into the pro league and back onto the national team. What was it like to have a, a chunk of this journey done with Allie Krieger? Oh, it's incredible. Um, you know, I, you know, have a lot of respect for Allie. Um, she's one of my, you know, good friends, and um, you know, I'm so proud of her and what she's done in her career, and to be able to share, 
this journey. She was actually the my host when I came on my visit to Penn State as a high school junior. So, um, you know, to be able to share this with not just another Penn Stater, but somebody that I would actually consider, you know, a, a good friend and be able to go through these experiences together has been, um, you know, an added bonus for sure. After you win the World Cup, there's certain elements that go with it, and there's a great popularity for the women's, women's soccer team in this country. I'm driving somewhere, I think, to make a speech somewhere, and I've got the Red Sox game on. And you threw out the first pitch at Fenway Park, if I recall. I did. How did that come up? How did that come about? And look, you're from Southern Connecticut. I grew up in Northern Connecticut. You grew up down in what Stanford, some down there, I think. I grew up in in Enfield. Stratford, yeah. Yeah, Stratford. You're in Stratford. I I grew up in Enfield. So there's more of a Red Sox following up where I am. There's more of a Yankee following down there. are you even a baseball fan at all? I am. You know, I I got I I did grow up in Connecticut, New Englander through and through. Um, you know, I got drafted to Boston um, out of yes. college, so the first five years of my professional career were spent in Boston. Um, and you know, I one of my favorite things to do there was go to Red Sox games, go to Fenway. Yep. Um, it's such yep. an incredibly historical. Um, you know, ballpark. And, you know, Boston is the epitome of the, you know, a sports town. So, um, you know, that was always something that, that I love to do um, and was fortunate enough to be living in Boston when the Red Sox, you know, were winning the World Series. So, um, <laughs> you know, to be able to get the opportunity to go throw the, throw the pitch out at Fenway was um, absolutely a surreal moment. Um, yeah. I just couldn't stop looking around and kind of just trying to take it all in and, <laughs> Even walking off the field with Sam, we kind of just looked at each other like, "Did we really just get to do that? Like that? We just threw out a pitch at Fenway Park." So um, that was incredible. That was one of my favorite, you know, post World Cup experiences for sure. Yeah, I can imagine because I mean, as, as someone like myself who grew up as a lifelong Red Sox fan, I've probably gone to maybe fifty, mm-hmm. seventy-five games at Fenway. Um, and like I said, I was listening to the game. I said, "You've got to be mm-hmm. kidding me." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean to look around and go. I, what was more surreal, your first start in a World Cup, or standing on that mound? Uh, you know, I honestly can't compare the two. They're two completely different um, experiences right, and one, one's, You know, one's business, yeah. One's business. One is you know fulfilling a lifelong dream, and the other is just something I never ever thought would be. Um, you know, an option to do, and when I had the chance to do it, I I don't think I could say yes fast enough. There's a great tradition in goal for the U.S. between Hope Solo, Brianna Scurry. What did you learn along the way from those who had been in front of you on this stage that helped you grow so that you could be in the role of being the World Cup goalie to being the Olympic goalkeeper? I think the the biggest thing that I learned from both of them is just, you know, the importance of consistency, the importance of preparation, um, and being what your team needs you to be um, in each game and in each tournament. Um, You know, we're all very different um, goalkeepers, um, and we've played for all very different teams along the way. Um, But I think the the biggest thing is just, you know, taking everything that – 
you know, one one game at a time and having to be at your best um, in those big moments and being ready for the big moments and ready to embrace them. Um, and you never know when those moments are going to come. Um, so the importance of, you know, preparation and focus and, and all those things is um, certainly something that I, I took from watching both of them. Obviously, you wanted yeah, you wanted to win this badly, but I want to get to the personal relationship part of it. What did it mean to you that Erica was a part of the staff this time? Oh, it was incredible. Um, you know, I to be able to share that with you know, you know, you know, a fellow Penn Stater, my college coach. Um, you know, I've known Erica since I was you know 16 years old. She was my youth national team coach back then. Actually, for me, Kelly and Tobin. So. Uh, to be able to, you know, have her in the room on the trip, you know, just having, especially this one, you know, we're, we're far, far away. There's no family allowed, no friends allowed. Um, so to be able to have such a familiar face, such somebody that you can trust, someone that you can lean on, um, and just kind of, you know each other, you get each other. Um, and it was, it was amazing to be able to, to have her, you know, on the coaching staff as part of the team for for this Olympics. What was it like in the village where you really couldn't go anywhere? I mean, I look. I've got a couple of pictures of stadiums I broadcast in last year, including Michigan, where Jack and I went and did the Penn State Michigan game. There's 111,000 empty seats. I mean, when mm-hmm. the game starts, you don't notice it, but before the game, you notice it. Uh, what was it like for you, village and also venue, with no fans and nowhere to go? Uh, you know, it's tough. You know, we were not allowed to go outside. We weren't allowed to leave. Um, you know, we had one floor of the hotel that we were on. So, um, you know, that, that you know, we're that's hard um, to not get some fresh air and just be able to do a lot of things that you would, you know, like to do. Just go for a walk around the block. Um, so it certainly was was challenging, you know, to step out onto these these fields for for the warm up, and you know, there's you could hear a pin drop in in the stadiums, and it's kind of a bizarre um, feeling, and certainly a very different atmosphere, um, you know. And it was it was I think it was hard the first game for sure, and then we kind of realized what it was going to be like, and we tried to from players on the bench to players in the stands to the players on the field all trying to kind of create our own energies and kind of bring a little bit more um you know that we needed to create that that buzz ourselves naomi osaka and simone biles have brought to the front that look the price for perfection sometimes is is a difficult one how do you away from this how do you keep yourself loose, your mind free, so that when it comes time for business, it's business? Uh, I think you know you just got to find you have to find things that make you happy. You have to find things off the field that make you happy. Um, you know whether that's you know for me, I like to bike around Chicago, get out to the lakefront, take you know go get coffee, go you know read a book, find a quiet place, um, hang out with friends, just go out to dinner. You know just be able to do those you know simple little things um off the field that can just and it's going to be different for everybody i think and the importance of finding finding your niche finding what makes you happy and keeps you going um 
is is really important because it does take a lot out of you with what we do and um and it's that that balance is um and i think we're seeing it more and more um that balance is incredibly important well uh, for fans looking ahead i'll throw out the names of adelaide auckland brisbane Dunedin, Hamilton, Melbourne, Perth, Sydney, Wellington. Why? Because that is where the Women's World Cup will be in 2023. So we'll at least prep the fans for that. That's just two years away. Alyssa, everyone at Penn State, obviously extremely proud of you. Congratulations on what you've accomplished so far. Best of luck with the rehab and uh, best of luck in the future. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Alyssa Nair, one of the absolute best in the world. Thanks for having her on the show today very much. Next half hour, we'll hear from Kirk Herbstreet and Neil Kulong in the next hour. And uh, then we'll close out with the great Mike Lang in the final half hour. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. The best of new inventory. Great selection of pre-owned inventory, all with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Fabulous sales staff, fabulous service department. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back on this Tuesday. Great to have you with us. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. It was great on Saturday to watch from Atlanta College Game Day with everybody on the set. All right, everybody. Reese Davis, Pollock, 
Lee Corso, Desmond Howard, and of course Kirk Herbstreet all back on the set again talking college football. And Kirk gets going with games this weekend, but he's also written a new book. Kirk, we welcome you back to the show. It's great to have you with us. What did it mean to you in the process of putting this together that uh, it was co-written by one of the true pros pros in Gene Wojciechowski? Well, that was probably the that was the only way I would probably would be willing to do this. Um, you know, I, I never really thought that I would write a book until maybe you know after I retired. Um, and he approached me in the middle of quarantine when we really didn't know what was going on. It was kind of a good time to reflect, and um, because I'm comfortable with him, I think that was the key for me being someone who's a kind of a shy kind of a I kind of hold a lot of stuff in type of guy and so I needed somebody who I really trusted to be able to open up to and and Gene Gene was the right guy for me this this is a book not just about football and game day and huge games and fun stuff like that it's also about just my my life and my journey as a son and as a dad myself as an athlete and as a broadcaster so there's a lot of different kind of layers to it but yeah Gene was Gene was the key to, to me doing it. And by the way, you can start pre-ordering now. It's enti- the book is entitled Out of the Pocket. Uh, when you had a chance to really reflect, which you have to do when you go, th- go through something like this, how much did your childhood, which is not exactly, with all due respect, you know, for a child, it's, it's, yeah. it's rocky. How much, did that shape, yeah. well, how much did that shape you today as a father and a husband? Huge. Um, you know, just for people that aren't aware, I, I, you know, the movie The Sandlot, I mean, that, that was my life, yeah. um, my first seven or eight years. I mean, we, we had three TV stations that back in those days, all of us in my generation. And I mean, we, we were outside playing in the yard. You know, we were, we were playing ball or playing freeze tag or four square or on our big wheels. I mean, it was just one thing to another. And it was, it was heaven for me. Um, we changed sports with the seasons, you know, out in the yard as kids. And I was the youngest one of about <clears throat> probably 15 or 18 kids. And then one day my parents told me that they were going to get a divorce. And and I think a lot of people can relate to that, whether they're going through divorce themselves or, or they were, you know, they were children when their parents went through it. And, and for me, it, my whole world just kind of changed um, pretty dramatically. We moved out of that neighborhood. And my dad, who was my hero my whole life, you know, he played at Ohio State. He was a captain there. He coached with Woody Hayes. <clears throat> he was the guy that I just always wanted, you know, his approval. Just, just he didn't ask me for it. He was just I just loved him and just kind of worshipped him. And then all of a sudden, my dad was out of my life. You know, he uh, he just was not real consistent with coming to see us. And he ended up marrying uh, another uh, woman and had another kind of a, a stepchild. And that was kind of his life. And so I was reeling a bit. Um, you know, from probably fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, even into eighth grade, and just moved around quite a bit. I, mean, I probably moved schools every year from from about third grade till I got into high school. Wow. And um, you know, as a shy, just a naturally kind of shy, kind of an introverted kid, that's a tough thing to do when when you're when you're asked to move, you know, from one school district to another every every year. And so I just kind of held everything in all those years. I never really talked a whole lot uh, to, to people about how I was feeling, really, even with my own family. And so I think my family's going to read this book and, and be like, wow, I didn't know you 
you experienced this, right? I know you felt like this, you know. So uh, I'm hoping that there's kids out there or even parents where this book can help. You know, I, if I told you how shy I was, you would never think that I'd be working. Um, well, that's, yeah, that's my next question. <laughs> that's my next question because the couple of times that I've, you know, you know, when Penn State's playing and you're around, once in a while I'll run into you, and you know, and so everybody understands this is a humble, no ego, down to earth guy. That's who you are, in, at least in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, and so, but you got into broadcasting. You could have had a lucrative career in sales. Yeah. Uh, look, if I had a dollar for everybody, who told me not to go into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, you're probably exactly. in the same boat. Why did you do it, and why did your personality able to come out on the air that maybe it didn't come out when you were younger? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, so I studied business at Ohio State. I was a marketing major. When I got done playing my last year, um, Ohio State was great about setting me up with different relationships and interviews. And I, I had a, I had pharmaceutical um, sales opportunities at medical sales at Worthington Industries. There's just a number of interviews that I was going through and they were they were going pretty well and at the same time I floated out to a local radio station hey the idea I'd love I grew up listening to talk radio I just love talk radio and um, really didn't listen to a ton of music but I love listening to, in my case it was WLW in Cincinnati sure. with, with Chris Collinsworth yep. and so when you grow up listening to that uh, and listen to the Reds baseball that was just kind of my my hot spot like that was my my hobby and so I floated that idea to this local station, and they, they bit uh, a month or two later and said, we'd like to hire you starting August 30th and pay you $12,000, no benefits, <laughs> no future, no nothing. I mean, you have no idea what, what it's going to lead to. Yeah. And then I, or I had these business opportunities that were incredibly lucrative at the time and stability, which is what we all look for when you're young. And I, I opted to turn all those down and, and just followed my my heart. Every person I asked to for advice, everybody, family, friends, all said, "You're crazy. You got to take this job, and and get your life started." And I just, I couldn't do it. I just, I wanted to do something that I loved. And I, again, I had no idea where it would lead to game day and all these things. But I, I had my lesson that I learned that I try to talk with people about is don't chase money. Follow, follow something you have a great deal of passion for, and eventually you'll, you'll make a good living doing it. And at the very least, you'll love what you do. And I was lucky enough to make that choice and and um things changed pretty quickly for me and once i got my foot in the door with with local radio and a couple years later you know i, I ended up putting an audition tape uh, together and espn brought me in and hired me as a sideline reporter initially in 1995 and then an opening uh, opened up on college game day in 96 and i went through that audition as well and 25 years later i you know i'm, I'm on college game day yeah. so and how did i get to that point i think playing football being interviewed a lot right. by a lot of reporters, having microphones stuck in my face, cameras in my face. I think it kind of forced me to get comfortable with kind of that being uncomfortable uh, thing. Because um, even to this day, like if you and I right now went to a mall together or went to a, a lunch together, it's almost, I don't know if I, I don't know if I have social anxiety, but I'm not real comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, with the, like when I walk into a restaurant, the last thing I want is for people to like stare at me you right. know I just I'm just and not because of what I do for a living it's just I'm just not comfortable with that right. and so that's the part the hardest part for me really in doing my job is getting living in the public eye and people recognizing you and they don't mean anything by it but when they look at you I mean, and, it, and, and it doesn't make you comfortable 
that's that's been the toughest thing of of dealing with with my job. And I've over the time and like anything else, the more reps you get, the more comfortable you get with it. But it, it's definitely taken a lot of time for me to go from being an introverted kid who wouldn't stand up in class and give a speech, I'll just take a zero, <laughs> to to uh, now talking in front of millions of people, you know, in the falls uh, Saturday. I, I think most people know that Lee Corso years ago had a stroke. Yeah. And Lee, of course, gutsy Lee Corso battled his way back. But mm-hmm. look, let's be honest, along the way, Kirk Herbstreit, yeah, and Chris did this too, and Reese does it well. When he's needed, you've helped him. What mm-hmm. What is it about that relationship and about your heart that wants to make sure that no matter what, you want Lee to succeed? I just love him. You know, he's 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 my partner. He's been that way for for twenty five years. Yeah. Um, it's not just the on air relationship. If I just had an on air air relationship with him. I, I mean, we would we would have a bond, but I uh, can't tell you how many times I've been at a photo shoot and we're in a car service going from the hotel to the to the set, and it's a 30-minute drive in Los Angeles, and it's just he and I, and yeah. I'm sitting there as a first-time father with uh, preemie twins who were born 12 <laughs> weeks early, and they're wow. two pounds each, yeah. and I'm just like, coach, like, man, what about this? It, I always refer to it as like going to Yoda or Don Corleone, <laughs> uh, with a, with a, this, you go on for 10 or 15 minutes about your concern, yeah. Yeah. and he sits there and kind of nods his head yeah. and listens, and then he gives you two sentences, and it's like, oh, that's what it is, okay, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, it's unbelievable, um, the way he's done that for me, and so when you open up, and again, I don't have a lot of people to open up with, right. but when you open up, and he listens, and he hears you, and he gives you uh, feedback, um, man, you just learn to really yeah. appreciate that, you know? And then it's like anybody else you, you form a bond with, you know, yeah. you form a relationship, and we just happen to work on TV together, but, man, I love him like another dad. You know, I just, he's, he's a special person to me, and anything I can do to ever help him in any way, it's, it's the yeah. least I could do. I can relate because, I mean, not in the dad part of it, but, you know, my broadcast partner, Jack Ham, we're very much the same yeah. way. We're very much yeah. the same way, as you know. Uh, yeah. At that, uh, Maria Taylor did great work with you, uh, with you, for you, and so forth. She's moved on. Holly Rowe gets that spot. Your thoughts on Holly joining the broadcast team? I'm looking forward to it. I mean, she's worked on so many big events and so many different uh, sports. Um, that I know she's a college football uh, junkie, and one thing about our crew is we are we are college football junkies. Like we we love the game, we love the scene, we love the the the, the drama and the emotion, and I think she'll fit in perfectly um, because of her passion for the game as well. So, you know that in that role, we've had so many talented people that we we have for a couple years. And then they, you know, they get new opportunities and, and they go on to become stars. And um, looking forward to Holly uh, coming in and being a part of the team and, and just us uh, always making our, our broadcast about the players, about the coaches, about the moment, not about us. You know, I, think, I don't know how you feel about that, Steve, but I feel like we live in a world of broadcasters and a lot of times with social media a lot of people try to make things about them. Yeah. And to That's me, when you're covering a game, I'm sure, and when, when we're covering a game, yep. 
man, you want to make it about the storylines and about the, the the third and eight with two minutes yes. to go in the game. Like, yes. let the teams, let the let the players yep. be the story, not us. That, and so, I think she falls right in, in line with that approach as well. That's exactly what I've told my broadcast class repeatedly. And I, I get to teach one here at Penn State. I've told them repeatedly, oh, good. it's not you, it's not the game starring you, it's the game right. starring the players, starring the situation, starring the story, starring the coaches. I said, you're the conduit between the game and the fan. Amen. That's Amen. Right. Yeah, Keith Jackson, uh, joined, he, he was about maybe six to eight months before he passed. He, um, he, was, he was kind of frail and it was near the end, and we did a Rose Bowl. Yeah, I've been fortunate to do a bunch of them. And, yeah, in fact, and, yeah, I saw him in the hallway. That was our road. Okay, was okay. Well, I was going to wonder if that was a Penn State yeah, it year was. or not. I, yeah, I couldn't. Okay. It was. Oh, well, you done. saw. You, yeah, I saw him. You, you, you saw how where he was at that yeah. stage, and he came in, and he stood behind us um, for maybe ten minutes as we were with with headphones on, with, and he was just kind of standing there, and then we had him on briefly to come on, you know, and just kind of say a few words. And then uh, I can't remember if he said it on the air or off the air, but he just talked about how the importance of making it always make it about the play about yes. the about the, the players and the coaches, yep. you know. And and I had already felt that, and I think it's from probably your generation, my generation. That's how we kind of grew up. Yes. And um, it just felt so good to hear him of all people, kind of reconfirm. What uh, what we already kind of felt, but it, man, I, I hold that in the back of my mind. Uh, every broadcast I do, whether it's game day, a studio show, which is a very different job as an analyst mm-hmm. or the game, um, I just always remember that and, and appreciate him telling me that. I don't want to exceed my time with your with you. Here. Oh no, it's so, fine. So I just want to make sure I can ask a couple more here because that sure. your time is more important. Oh no, it's great. No, um, so people, of course, since we're here. Just initial thoughts on Penn State going in. Um, I'm excited. It's going to be a bounce back year. You know, I, I don't think they ever recovered from that. That, uh, that, that was it a two pointer? I can't remember. If it was a touchdown or yeah, a two pointer? Yeah, it was a two point yeah. conversion. Yeah. Yeah, I, and and I mean, we could sit here still and watch that video. <laughs> if you're a Penn State fan, it's it's. I was watching it. I was like, you know, there's no way he's in, and I I I wasn't rooting for either team, but right. Um, they ended up obviously calling it good and and i think it really if they if they get the call go the other way and they got ohio state at home who knows i mean yeah. i don't know if they beat ohio state but right. i think it would have been a different season and i think with everything else going on with covid and contact tracing and i think some of these teams when they hit got some bad news i think there was they were more fragile than a, than a typical year and you know sean obviously didn't have a great year and and if your quarterback's not consistent um, especially in that kind of offense, it's it's going to be tough. I don't know if the OC was a great fit. You right. know, I think yeah. that was that was kind of a tough deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mike coming over. I think people will really like what he does, and and I know the beneficiary will be Sean Clifford because of the way he communicates and, and the way he likes to attack. Um, so I I expect uh, a bounce back year. I mean, it's it's exciting to me because they play Wisconsin, who didn't have a great year themselves a year ago, and. You talk about you know, no preseason football, no non-conference <laughs> games. You open up at Camp Randall, and if we have fans, I mean, yeah. game on. Of all yeah. the games yeah. and all the first week, that to me, and I'll probably talk about on game day, 
is one of the more interesting matchups of the entire opening weekend because of the way the two teams played a year ago because they don't get Ball State and Villanova and others to get ready to play a, ma- a game of that magnitude. So if, if Sean's more consistent, which I expect him to be in this offense, um, I think Penn State will be one of the great stories of bouncing back from, from what happened a year ago. Uh, one final general question on football, then I'll get back to one last question of the book, then I'll let you go if that's okay. And the general sure. one is Texas-Oklahoma, of course, make the seismic move to the SEC, which not going to happen now, but we all know it's been approved. There's a lot of talk about the 12-team playoff. So where are you right now with college football, and do we have to remember what, what made college football great to, have, to allow it to go forward? Well, I think we have to, right? I mean, I, I, think, um, I think the sport is very different from the other sports that we all follow. I mean, yes. we, we love them all, but the, the pageantry, the tailgating, the sense of community, whether you're in State College or Columbus or Austin, Texas or Tallahassee, the sense of community when those six or seven Saturdays a year come around, uh, the way people get together, they, they have the same parking spot that they've had since 1984 or whatever, you know, whatever it is, and, and the bands and the cheerleaders and the student section. I mean, it just can you say that about any other sport out there? No. And so if, if we lose sight of that, then I think we're in big trouble. There's going to be, as you say, seismic changes, and it's it's happening. It had happened, you know, years ago, and it's continuing to happen. the 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 big thing I think is where do we go from here? Is the Big Twelve gone? I mean, what happens to Kansas State? Right. What happens to Iowa State? Where where are all these teams going to go? Um, are we headed to a four conference like mega conference, and they pull out of the NCAA, create their own world, their own legislative body? and governing body and is that is that where we're headed are we, are we going to do away with the ncaa for the power uh, conferences i don't know it feels kind of like that it feels like texas and oklahoma were two big dominoes that have just fallen and it's putting kevin warren and these other conference commissioners at a position of are you on offense are you on defense are you trying to hold on to teams or are you trying to go out and, and grow so it's going to be in five years from now Steve, if we had this conversation, I think we're going to obviously know a lot more. Yeah. But right now, it's all we know is change is coming. Even more change is coming. And I just hope that that uh, fans, players with name, image, and likeness, and transfer portal, we just don't get away from what's made this game mm. so great for, for so many decades. The book is entitled Out of the Pocket, uh, Atria Books. Uh, it comes out on the 17th, but you can pre-order the book. And I believe Barnes & Nobles will be one of the carriers of the book as well. So we will make sure everyone yep. understands all of that going into it. Um, it. And it goes through everything. And it'll be there'll be a part of the book I'll be able to relate to as well. I believe your, your dad had Alzheimer's passed away yeah. mine at alzheimer's yep. passed away so there'll be yeah. en- enough that a lot of people from a lot of different areas even if you're not a deep college football fan you'll be able to re- relate to because of life so kirk best of luck with this book i'm really glad you wrote it i can't wait to read it and thanks so much for the valuable time you gave us today oh man Th- thank you for uh for allowing me to come on with you to talk about it and talk a little college football and hopefully we'll see you real soon man i, I can't wait to get college football going we'll talk about games yes look forward to seeing you at at a game soon yeah absolutely kirk appreciate it and look forward to seeing you as well thank you okay thanks a lot
Kirk Herbstreit, Neil Kuline, next half hour on News Radio 1070 WKOK.